All right, welcome back to the ALG podcast. I am your co-host, John Arpino, otherwise known as J-Arp's Journey. Alongside me is my partner in crime, Fit D-Rock, David. Today hey. we are joined by Callie's own, the most incredible person I know through Instagram. We've yet to meet in person, but today we're meeting for the first time face-to-face via Wi-Fi, my man, London Papa Michael. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, good morning, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, this is what it's all about for me, man. It's, you know, connecting with like-minded people, trying to do some good in the world. And we all have something to say. We all have a different perspective, man. I might be able to catch somebody's attention that you haven't before, you know. And uh, I'm a big supporter of, you know, giving back to the people, dude. That's what it's all about. You know, I'm. Uh, it's not as fun if you're doing it alone, man. You want to bring people along. You want to bring people up, you know. So, uh I can't remember how I found you, Jarp, but uh, I'm a big fan, bro. I like Thank what you're man. about. I love when people bring their their stories to the table, man, and they're not afraid to uh, share it with the world. And look at the fucking impact that you're making now, dude. Thank you know, you, so uh, I uh, I truly appreciate the opportunity, guys. We appreciate I, having you on. I will have to say this for the record because I said it before the recording, and I have to say it now. Your beard is incredible. I just gotta say it. <laughs> Hey, hey, thank you, bro. It's uh, definitely cool getting a uh, beard product for free, man. That's yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. So, you know what, London? I've been racking my brain all week trying to figure out how I'm going to introduce you. And you know what? I decided I'm going to give up and I'm going to let you introduce yourself within your own words because you have accolades like a mile long. So please fill everybody in on who you are, what you do. Please. Yeah, I can do that. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I'm, uh, I'm a private fitness trainer here in Hermosa Beach, California. I've been in LA for two years. I work with the uh, top boxer in the country, 15 years old, 106 pounds. He's a 10-time national champion. He's on the junior Olympic travel team. And uh, sadly, he was going to go travel to Bulgaria and Argentina and then COVID-19 hit, you know. So uh, I like to impact lives through fitness, but I'm working on my opportunity now to segue into speaking and film, you know, to be able to impact on a larger scale. I love helping somebody get that um, confidence in the gym to, you know, turn a uh, something you don't believe in, you don't see that has something and show you what you're capable of. But to just spend an hour with one person, it's not enough for me, man. I want more for the right reasons. So to be able to speak, to be able to put a journey on film or somebody's story, my story, you know, so... I, uh, I come from the restaurant business, you know, I was successful, I wasn't successful, but now I'm in the fitness field in um, California for two years now, and it's uh, been an amazing journey. I've had the opportunity to work with a great athlete like Steven that I mentioned, but also regular people, you know, a woman that's 50 years old that, you know, just doesn't know how to move anymore and wants to learn how to just walk better, mm-hmm. you know, so helping people from all walks of life. I've had the opportunity to work with Steve Weatherford, NFL champ, Super Bowl, winner uh cover of uh magazines nfl's fittest man you know so that was a cool accomplishment for me but i'm just a guy man trying to help people because i've been through hell and back and that's what i want to be underneath my name you know i've done a lot of cool shit you know i've worked with some cool people but uh you know i just i want to help people because i know what it's like to uh, feel like you're not good enough to uh i know what it's like to come from something and then lose it right. you know so I'm sure it sucks coming from poverty, but imagine coming from a good life and then fucking having it all taken away from you, you know? So either way, it's pain, but I've learned through sharing my story, it allows me to heal along with helping others. And that's what Body by London's all about, website coming soon. 
is help others, heal yourself. I love it. I love it. You mentioned before that uh, you've been to hell and back, right? So that's why I asked you to uh, be a part of this today, because we're going to take a step back from the weight loss, you know, journey and kind of go into that mental journey. And I think that you are the right fit to kind of walk people through what it takes to kind of get almost to the top, lose it all, come back again and just reclaim what's yours. So why don't you take us back to the beginning? Take us back to, would you say Myrtle Beach? Yeah, so I'm, I'm from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, my father is Greek Cypriot, so he's from a little island uh, called Cyprus. So I actually come from the American dream. You got the handsome Greek dude that came over to the States to uh, get the, a better life, more opportunity. You're talking about the United States of America versus a tiny island that nobody's really ever heard of. Mm-hmm. You know, and he had family members come over to the States and be successful with the opportunity here, the education system here. And uh, he met my mom, you know, the beautiful blonde American woman. And uh, love at first sight and life was great. I can remember now at a a 33-year-old man of love in the household, man, being around family, my parents being in love of maybe I was three years old as early as I can remember. And life was great, man. It was awesome. And uh, he got a phone call and things kind of changed a little bit. Uh, His family back in Cyprus, uh, his family owned a company and they're like, hey, your dad's sick. We need you to come back to the States to save the family's business, you know? Mm -hmm. We need you to uh, put everything that you've fallen in love with in the States and kind of do the right thing, you know? So uh, he didn't hesitate, my mom didn't hesitate, so they picked me up and we moved to Cyprus. But the cool thing was life didn't change. I just had the uh, the Greek Cypriot side of love, his side of the family. How old were you, just so I know? I think give or take guys, um, four, five years old. And I, I lived there for about six years, I was really young. Okay. And we moved over there and life was great again. I just got used to the, you know, the Greek ways. So we lived on a little Island. Right. I lived next to uh, our neighbor what owned a movie theater. We got to see movies uh, before they came out, That's you cool. know, so life was great. My dad was very successful. I didn't have a lot of friends. Not that I wasn't a cool kid. I just knew that my dad was the coolest guy. So mm-hmm. I didn't feel like hanging out with everybody else. My dad was Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was Van Damme. He was Stallone. So we did all that stuff together. We, you know, went, that was my first time in the gym where I fell in love with fitness and being able to push yourself and look a certain way. And he just had this aura about him, this confidence along with my mother, but it was, uh, it was in the best way, man. It wasn't, he was, he was like the rock. He wasn't a douchebag. He was cool. Everybody liked him. He smiled. He had that energy. You know, my mom was the housewife that was happy and beautiful and cooked and took care of us. But uh, things slowly started to deteriorate. Um, as early as I can remember, you know, maybe a few years in of, uh, I don't know if you guys realize, but um, foreign families are very traditional. So Greek families are very traditional. When you find out that your son is in America, very happy, which you want your son to be happy, but in a way it hurts you because you're like, oh, you're leaving us. Mm-hmm. You know, almost like Italian, brother. That's, that's right, exactly. life, dude. Uh-huh. You, don't, you don't leave the family. You, right. know? <laughs> you know, you might get popped in an alleyway before you do that. That's right. So, um, they didn't like the idea of being, him being married to an American blonde woman. So that, um, along with other reasons I won't get into because I don't know yet, and that's part of my documentary of why the marriage fell apart. But um, the marriage fell apart. And uh, I remember as a kid around the corner in the house here, my mar- parents say, you know, my mom being like, I want a divorce. This isn't working anymore. And hey, I don't want you to give me any money. Just let me have um, London and Gabriella, my sister, that ended up being born in Cyprus. Uh, let me have the kids and let me go back to the States whenever you want to see them. 
call me. We'll work it out. You can call them anytime. I'm not taking away from you. Just if this marriage isn't going to work, just let me have what makes me happy, which is not money. It's my kids and getting back to the family. So we moved, uh, ended up working that out and we moved from the States. I'm talking about, I live five minutes from the beach from a well-off father, a good guy that's successful to living in a trailer with 10 other people, a double wide trailer. Um, But the cool thing was, man, I didn't care because the way I was brought up, I didn't know any different. Right. The only thing that I knew was there was love in the household. There was love in this trailer. There was food on the table and I was around family. And my mom worked three jobs to make sure I had what I was accustomed to. Mm-hmm. I still had Timberland boots and Nike shoes and Polo Ralph Lauren and all that shit, man. And that's what kind of woman my mother was, you know, to be able to still provide. She worked at a, a casino gambling boat where as a cocktail waitress, she worked at Belk. And she worked at a strip club. She wasn't a stripper. She was the one that uh, took care of the strippers, kept them online, made sure they got on stage on time and make sure their makeup didn't look halfway, you know, ridiculous. And through that, my mom got us out of a hole and ended up getting us our own place. Sometimes we stayed with friends um, before that. And we ended up, my mom made this comeback, man. And life was still normal for me. I kept in touch with my dad. Um, I went back the following summer and spent the whole summer with him. But then again, back to this formula, another relationship starts to deteriorate. I start to lose my father, okay. less contact, you know, less. Um, and I don't know if it was me. I don't really remember as a kid of like not wanting to talk to my dad. I think it was more on his side and I'm not here to persecute him. I'm just right. telling you what I remember from and, my perspective. And London, how old are you at this point? I'm thinking I'm 10, 11 years old when we moved back. And how long between you moving back to the States and you, your mom finally getting her own place? How long was that? How long were you living in that trailer park? Um, I'd say at least a year. Okay. And what were your thoughts then? Like you, you're coming from this beautiful island in Greece and now you're, you're, in, where, you're in Cali? In um, I'm in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Oh, okay. So you're in Myrtle yeah. Beach in a trailer park. So what is, what is your thought process? I mean, you're nine years old. You've been halfway around the world at this point. What was that transition of coming back to the United States, making friends, like, were people like not weirded out, but like, here's this new kid who just came from Greece. Like, was it, was it hard to get back into the groove of the States? Um, thankfully it wasn't man, because I was used to traveling because, uh, we'd go uh, visit family in Cyprus when I lived in the States and then right. we moved to Cyprus and then we visited the States. Right. Gotcha. I love traveling. I love being with my parents, with my mom. My mom was a gorgeous blonde. She always had attention, but in a respectful way, like we were always taken care of. Um, mm-hmm. I felt cool being around my mom. It was like being around a celebrity, you know? Right. And uh, the way she provided for me, like I wasn't a spoiled kid, but my dad took care of us. We had right. everything we needed and a lot of things we wanted. So my mom still provided that for me while I lived in a trailer. So, and the way I was brought up and the way I was uh, taught to view the world and view people, I didn't, I wasn't like rolling my eyes that I lived in a trailer. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, I wish I could see my dad every day, but there's my grandmother, there's my cousin, there's my uncle. Oh, there's fucking my, my grandmother just made her famous pot roast, <laughs> you know? So thankfully with the way I was brought up by an amazing woman and a, a, an awesome dad right. that I didn't, I didn't skip a beat. You know, I just that's slowly awesome. missed my dad and slowly lost my dad. Right. So that's where I kind of developed this chip on my shoulder in time of like, why isn't my dad talking to me? What's wrong with me? Maybe if I was okay, maybe if I looked better, was stronger, smarter, whatever it may be, maybe my dad would like me. So in this time, my mom gets, uh, falls in love with somebody else, gets remarried. I was always kind of hesitant about him because my dad was so awesome. Right. But I gave it a chance and ended up maybe giving, uh, 
five to seven years, I think they were married. Um, there was a couple good years in there, but that marriage so, slowly started to fall apart. And before they got married, they broke up and we moved to another friend's place after living. He was a successful guy. We're living on a, a river in his big house to back in a trailer with a friend. But my, my mom had a good enough friend that let us move in with her, right. which is really cool, man. To bring, yeah. up, bring a woman and her two kids into your home, no oh, yeah. questions asked, you know? That's, uh, I'm forever, I still, excuse me, guys. I'm no still forever grateful for that kind of sh- stuff, you know? I remember uh-huh. Vicky, Vicky Jones, if you're out there, thank you. <laughs> so they ended up getting re- uh, back together and got married. I ended up, you know, uh, trusting the guy and liking him for the most part. And uh, there were a couple good years, and then they finally had to where their marriage was falling apart. And I'm in high school this time. Um, I'm losing my dad big time. We're not talking as much. I'm not hearing from him. And then the big day comes up, right? Um, I'm a handsome guy. I got decent grades. I'm a great football player. And senior year is coming up. And I'm a guy's guy, man. I told you guys, I grew up with my dad was my hero. Right. And then you're losing your hero. You got, are you guys close with your family? Very. Oh, yeah. I'm at my parents' beach house right now. <laughs> yeah. Can, can you imagine your dad not talking to you anymore? Or your mom? So that happened to me. I lost my dad, my hero, man. So it just, again, that chip on my shoulder grew and grew. And then senior year comes around, have an awesome year of football, uh, ranked in the States, awards, blah, blah, blah. And graduation comes up. I'm like, all right, well, let me get a hold of my dad. I want him to be here. So I call my dad and ask him to come to my graduation. And he says, no. Wow. And that broke my heart. You know, I'm, mm. I want my dad to be there, man. Pat me on the shoulder. Like, t- tell me I'm an idiot. Tell me where I fucked up. You know, don't right. always tell me I'm great. You know, tell me uh, how my first date should go. Tell me, you know, how I should wear my suit and tie. Right. I didn't have that. So that really broke my heart. And I didn't talk to my dad for a long time. So I'm in college. Freshman year, I'm not playing football anymore, guys. My grades weren't that great. Didn't take the SAT seriously. I'm 5'7", so playing linebacker 5'7". If you're not fast as lightning and have great grades, you're not playing anywhere in college. Right. So I end up hanging out with the wrong people, and I go from 160 to 200 pounds. So that's 40-pound gain from a guy that used to be confident and in good shape, you know, handsome, mm-hmm. to being embarrassed to take his shirt off at 19 years old. So you don't have to be 500 pounds to be embarrassed to take your shirt off. Right, true. You know? I'm still uncomfortable now with how I look sometimes. I fight body dysmorphia, right. but over time I'm overcoming it and I'll teach you guys about that later. You know, but don't always think that somebody has to be extremely overweight to be uncomfortable about how they look. And then there's a reverse effect of anorexia and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, a, my cousin turned into my kind of big brother, my dad in time. And this freshman year, he saw me balloon up and he's like, dude, he, had, he sat me down and had an honest conversation. was like, man, you're a good smart, uh, good looking guy that I admire. And you're like my wingman, dude, what's going on? You don't have to look like a model, but you should, I can tell you're not as confident. I can tell you're not you, you know, you're hanging out. So I snapped out of it in about four to five months. I got in the best shape of my life, you know? Um, and I'm, uh, it brought me back to be in London and what I, uh, what I'm about, you know, and I wasn't, you know, I was partying, wasn't doing hardcore drugs, smoking a little pot and drinking too much, you know? Right. And that's okay. You live and you learn in college and I don't regret it. And it was a hell of a comeback. So I get back in the best shape of my life. But then my mom's marriage is really falling apart with her, uh, my ex stepfather. And she ends up uh, calling, he ends up calling me a day I'm at the beachwear store where I worked in the summer. I printed t-shirts, Myrtle right. Beach 2005, spring break, all that. <laughs> so um, he's like, man, your mom's drunk. 
and my mom never drank like maybe a glass of wine or a martini like we never drank at the house or she did maybe at dinner so to hear my mom's drunk you know and he's like I don't know what to do I'm like so I tell my manager I'm like I need to go home she luckily is cool doesn't ask any questions and I go there my mom's wasted never seen my mom drunk before she can't really talk. She's like, you know, they're obviously gotten some kind of argument because the marriage is falling apart. And I go into the laundry room because my stepfather is folding clothes and I just apologize, man. And I start crying and I'm just like, I'm sorry. And he cried. I never saw him cry before. And he's like, it's not your fault, you know? And I knew, so- I knew something bad was about to happen. Like something, again, to see your mother fall apart like that. So she ends up passing out. My mom's dead weight even though she's 125 pounds soaking wet to carry your mom up the steps when she's blackout drunk is very uncomfortable, let alone of just trying to do it physically. So they end up, uh, she ends up moving out through this whole divorce and I end up staying with my stepdad because we were kind of on decent terms and I didn't know how bad the marriage was. So I was kind of cool with him. And then one day I come home and all my stuff's packed and he moves me out himself. Wow. Doesn't say anything. So I come home to like a guy that I'm kind of cool with, kind of give my trust to, like packs up my shit and moves me out without really saying anything. So I end up going in to move with my mom and through the divorce, he has to get her a house. So we live in this house through the whole divorce and she just falls apart because he threatens her with different things and they end up having a little girl together. So I have Gabriella through my Greek father, our Mm -hmm. same father. And then my mom got remarried when we moved back and they had Kennedy, my youngest sister. So there's, we got split custody guys, which is always complicated and tough. She's, you know, around eight to 10 years old at the time. So he's always like, hey, you know, uh, if you, I'm going to take the, uh, Kennedy away from you. You know, you're an alcoholic and this, and he's just battering her mentally and this and that. This is what I remember. I'm not here to crucify anybody, blah, 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 even though I don't like the guy. Um, hmm. And she's continually drinking. So I'm seeing my mom, like, not be able to wake up in the morning. This beautiful, right. gorgeous, blonde, fit woman to, like, putting on some weight, not being herself. I used to take my sisters to school because she couldn't get up. Mm-hmm. I had to do that. I stopped going out and being a 20-some-year-old kid because I wanted to stay home and be a father figure to help my mom, to help pay bills. But it's awkward in life, too, man. You go out and you want to meet somebody or have friends over. Well, where do you live? Well, I live with my mom. Oh, you're a loser? Well, I'm not a loser. I'm saving the day, kind of. But I just met you. I can't tell you my life story. You know, it's this awkward, right. mm-hmm. I'm not a loser, but I can't tell you my life story because <laughs> we just met. You know, right. it's, it was fucking weird, man. But I don't regret my choices because... I did what I felt was right, you know, and I'm proud of what I tried to do. But, you know, my mom would hide beer cans and bottles of wine, like fucking hundred, like 20 some, like 50 cans. Right. You like know, a teenager he, hiding it from their parents instead of yeah, your mom. It was insane, man, to mm-hmm. see this woman that became my hero to slowly fall apart and I couldn't do anything about it, man. Right. And, you know, there's this anger, there's this disappointment and trying to understand what to do and not take it out on your mom. And then, Oh, one day she was so drunk and crashed into my car when she was pulling into our driveway, you know, and hanging out with the wrong people. So it just broke my heart, man. And then we ended up losing that house through the divorce and couldn't afford it or however that worked out. So we went from a two-story, five-bedroom house to a three-bedroom apartment. And I just saw my mom fall apart before my very eyes, man. And then one time she was on the toilet uh, peeing, urinating, and fell over. And I had to pick up my mom while she's still pissing wow. and I'm putting her in the bed, man. I've never told that story. 
You know, my mom is the most awesome, beautiful woman, but life beats the shit out of us sometimes, man. And not everybody overcomes it. That's why it's so cool that people are talking about mental illness and all this stuff. Like we get upset when somebody drops in our DM and talks shit and that's Mm -hmm. fair because it hurts your character. Imagine being divorced twice and feeling like a failure after you were in love and then trying to figure out how you're going to support your two kids, man. That's just heartbreaking hearing about it. Imagine living it, you know? So it's understandable how people can fall apart but it still sucks and it still hurts, especially to see it happen. How are you dealing with this mentally at this point? Like, wh- how are you like, I mean, I, I know me personally, I need to vent some way or another way. I need to push that energy behind something and do something productive with this built up emotion. How are you dealing with that at this point? You're, you're fresh out of a, a college, excuse me. And your whole world is like, you've gone from being this awesome high school athlete going into college. And now you're taking care of your whole entire family. Now you're the dad. So like, where is your head at? Uh, Thankfully, my head was on straight, man. I was, uh, I had a good support group around me where I worked. I worked at a restaurant and service industry is amazing. That doesn't get enough credit. Um, I actually think that should be a college credit because waiting tables and being in that business teaches you so much, but that's another story. So I had good people I hung around that could get me away from that. And I just, it kind of turned into my life. So I didn't know any better, man. I just knew that I wanted to give my sister something that, give them what I didn't, what I had to feel. If I could take control of this and not give up on them, they wouldn't know what it's like to have their dad disappear on them. They had this one person, which could be me. Right. They could could always depend on that wouldn't, uh, that would always be there when they needed him. Right. Mm -hmm. So I took pride in that. I believed in that. And I knew how much that fucked me up on the inside of losing my dad and seeing my mom fall apart and then seeing my stepdad brace true colors. Right. So I could be like, I could be the hero. You know, I could be the I guy it. I saw in the movies, man. It's actually yeah. kind of fascinating. So look, quick story on my end, something very similar. I'm a very, I'm a huge advocate of people's problems aren't better or worse. They're just different. Different. Yeah. They're just different. Like I went on a, um, a date with this girl a few years ago um, and great, great girl. And um, first I took her the first time ever getting sushi. She came from a very low upbringing um, out of Northern Michigan. And we're down at Michigan State at the time. And we're talking about our stories. She knew who I was before this. I, this is, this is post-David weight loss, so losing 190 pounds and we're going on this date and stuff. And she's telling me her story. And, like, her father was second biggest most wanted in Michigan for drug dealing. Mothers running away from the FBI for, for drugs and alcohol and all this stuff. She was emancipated at 16. She bought her first house at 17 and, like, had to do all this herself. And I'm just just – I mean, my dad's a, a heart doctor. My, I've always had an incredible, I never heard my parents argue from zero to 18. Not once. Wow, it it didn't wish. happen. And so like, I'm looking at her life and I'm like, I couldn't imagine going right. through that. And then pivot literally right afterwards. She looks at me and goes, David, I couldn't even imagine being 400 pounds and having to lose 200 pounds. And it's like, it's, it's crazy how we all deal with, we all deal with shit. And, and, yeah. and this idea that some people's are better or worse, they're just different. And so it, you can't judge it at all. And so I, I just wanted to add that because it, 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 hit, it definitely hits home. Yeah, everybody has a story and everybody has their own cross to bear. You know, some worse, right. are worse than others. And, you know, I'm not – people try to compare, you know, and I'm not here to – you know, I'm not trying to have a worse story than you. I'm just – you know, it's like I remember when my mom passed away real quick. People – I remember somebody saying, like, do you think it'd be – I wonder if it'd be more difficult to lose your mom suddenly and not know it or – 
you know, have your mom be dying in a hospital bed and watching him slowly die. And I'm kind of like, I know you don't mean anything rude by that, but what kind what the fuck yeah. are you talking yeah, about? What the hell kind of question is that? <laughs> Either way, it sucks, yeah. man. I'm not here to, you know, who has the shittiest story, you know, yeah. like, you know, so, but back to business. So, and I haven't told that story about my mom using the yeah. bathroom. So I'm trying to Thank tell you for my sharing story. that, by the way. Of course. Um, Cause you know, a lot of people have heard my story, but I want to also include stuff that they haven't heard about. And that's what's, I don't want to take, I could take up all day. It's such a crazy story. That's why London, I you have the stage, brother. It's all that's yours. Why I want to the make this you documentary, you know, cause there's so many little intricate stories, but uh, my cousin that uh, helped me make the comeback when I uh, gained some weight in college, he ended up getting married and asked me to be his best man. So wow. huge moment for me. Very excited. I love the guy. And uh, it's a dry wedding, so I can't even have a cocktail before I give my best man speech. Uh-oh. And I'm a confident guy, but I get really nervous before the, uh, the speech, man. And uh, my mom shows up to the wedding drunk in this red dress, looking really beautiful, but drunk. Kind of causes a little bit of a scene, so I'm all nervous. I'm embarrassed. More about, like, I don't want my mom to ruin my cousin's day, and I don't want my mom to look bad, you know? Right. That's really... So I go to give my best man speech and I'm a nervous wreck, but once I start talking, it flows and I make everybody cry, laugh and clap at the end. Right. And I look around afterwards and my mom's not there. My mom disappeared. So I'm nervous. I'm worried about my mom. Right. I just gave this awesome speech, you know, this moment it's cool. You know, I miss, I will forever miss the moments of my parents being proud of me, man. And hearing that I will always miss that hug that, Hey, you're proud of your son. You know, I don't care how old I get, 90 years old, I will forever miss that. And my mom ended up, I, I was freaking out. I couldn't find my mom for an hour. I'm like, where is she? Is she okay? Is she dead somewhere? Drunk, waits, you know? Right. Come to find out, I finally get a hold of her. She she had a friend that lived close by and went over there and started drinking. I missed my best man's speech in the, the rest of the wedding, the reception. Wow. So this amazing woman, you know, alcoholism, alcoholism is real. Mental illness is real. And uh, fast forward a little bit. Uh, 9.32 a.m. on Mother's Day, I get a phone call from my aunt, you know, and she says, London, your mom passed away. My mom is 47 years old. Um, I'm 25. Gabriella is 18 and Kennedy's 10. And I get the news that my mom passed away on Mother's Day morning. She uh, went over to my uh, uncle's house, her brother. He's uh, in a wheelchair, so she went over to spend some time with him and cook dinner, hang out. And uh, she apparently drank too much and took some medicine because she was on different pills. And uh, that little too much of one or the other or both and uh, didn't wake up. I know it wasn't suicide. A couple rumors about that circling around, but it was just an honest mistake of a woman that had her heart broken. Yeah. So I immediately say to my aunt, you know, and it it stops like a movie, man. You're like, your heart starts racing. You feel like somebody, you're like, this cannot be real. And you know, you're... I, the guy that I thought could save the day, I didn't save the day, guys. Like, I had to face that, you know? I know it's a bad way to look at it, but that's how I looked at it, man. I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be the opposite of what my father became to me, you know? I wanted to save my mom because she was so amazing. And then two little girls are about to grow up with their mom. And Gabriella grew up without her dad. So, So I just asked my aunt, you know, promise me you'll take care of my sisters. And she said, of course. And uh, I slowly got my shit together, man, and I just kind of, I'm, there's no life insurance guys. Uh, my mom's got a couple grand in the bank. I'm 25. I've got a, you know, a couple grand in the bank. Um, so there's no dad to call. Stepfather's not involved. Family doesn't come from money, you know, her family. I don't, my dad's side of the family I don't talk to. So I got to man up and figure out what I'm going to do. 
And I decided to take on the responsibility of looking out for my 18 year old sister. And look, everybody out there, if you're 18, you're a kid. You're not a grown ass man or woman. You're a kid and that's okay. Trust me, you don't want to grow up just yet. There's a lot of shit you face growing up. Enjoy being a kid. Enjoy being a teenager. I'm telling you, savor those moments. And uh, I just made a promise to my sisters. I said they could always count on me and I wouldn't let them down. So I got an apartment and the 18 year old sister lived with me. And uh, my friends in the community uh, did a fundraiser and raised uh, like two to three thousand dollars to help me pay for the funeral, which is amazing. I'm forever grateful. And uh, the 10 year old ended up living with my ex stepfather, her dad. And we didn't really get to see her for a while, which I won't get into. It's just my ex stepdad was still mad at my mom for their divorce. Right. And he started dating my mom's friend. So that got complicated. Like, that's my life, dude. True story. Sure. Like, you can't make this shit up. Yep. So it's like, you're telling me my mom just died. So my little sister loses her mom. And then you're not going to let her see her brother and sister. So that's kind of the shit I was up against. Right. But I ended up finding a way, man. I was uh, waiting tables at the time, making good money as a single 20 year old guy. But I was like, I got to step up to the plate. My sister needs a new car, the 18 year old. I need to help her get in college. I want to help her finish high school strong. So she ends up graduating from high school and it's the proudest moment of my life. And that's when I knew for sure that one of my missions in life was I want to help people because watching her go across that stage after what she just went through and what she's been through in life, it was the proudest moment of my life. It was greater than anything I've ever done for myself to see her, someone that I love and someone that I had a little help in like stand strong and overcome this man is the proudest moment of my life. And to be able to give that back to people, to use that pain for good. Like, I wasn't given this. This didn't happen to me for me to be a piece of shit. There's no right. way. And it's real easy for us when this shit hits us, however it does, and whatever your pain is, to make you want to quit and make you want to stop. But I realized my mom's story isn't a sad story if I become something, if I do some good, if I overcome, if I stand strong. And that doesn't mean I become the next rock or the Dalai Lama and I win a Nobel Peace Prize. But if I'm proud of who I am and do something, something that fulfills me, that gives me joy, that is winning. That is fucking my mom didn't die for nothing. I'm using that pain for good. Love that. So I end up getting a job in corporate America. Um, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm like, I need to make more money. So I have an opportunity to make six figures a year uh, with uh, no college education, with full benefits. So I go in and I'm selling vacations, right? Wearing a suit every day. I'm excited. I'm nervous. It's not a passion, but I'm like, let me chase money for the right reasons. Yeah. I do like talking to people. I was good waiting tables, meeting all walks of life and this and that, which is what another reason why I love the restaurant business because you deal with any color, you deal with any, whether you have money, whether you don't, people bitching at you about a chicken finger or people <laughs> bitching at you about a $50 steak, right? So it's cool to see, you know, what you're made of and how to handle stuff. But I'm miserable, you know, I, this weight of the world, guys. I just lost my mom out of nowhere. I'm broke. I got a $15,000 funeral to pay for, and nobody's coming to fucking save the day. So I take it upon myself to try to make more money, but I just don't like it, man. I'm getting up in the morning, you know, there's all this training, you know, it's the pay plans training all the time. I'm trying to sell people shit they don't want, you know, it's just it's very difficult on me mentally, man. I and my manager didn't like me because I, was, I wasn't me anymore, guys. I, I had, was a shell of myself because I was angry. The chip on my shoulder was on each side, and it was, turning in, it was turning into Mount Everest, man. I lost that joyfulness, that happiness that uh, I used to kind of – I had that energy like my dad, everybody liked. And I was just kind of this miserable guy that wouldn't smile and kind of hung out by himself. So one day that manager had individual uh, meetings with all her team members. And she's like, what the fuck is your problem? 
<laughs> and it was fair though. It was fair because she didn't know, you know, and what she saw wasn't good. Right. She didn't know my story. She didn't know I lost my mom. So it was fair. And um, I told her, man, and I broke down. I told her the truth. And she said, London, life has set you up to fail, but you won't. And she took me under her wing and became like a mom, a big sister, and I ended up making a little bit of money under the stand in the business more. But I knew that was a big point in my life to where I knew chasing money, even though it was for the right reason, was still kind of wrong, right? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I should have just stayed in the restaurant business and tried to chase a passion, but I'm glad I did it. I learned a lot. I made a little bit of money and um, it gave me the opportunity to propel your life. So you can't connect the dots till you look backwards, right guys? Correct. So I... Uh, Fast forward, two rock stars in the business uh, like me and want to get out of the business and open up a restaurant. I come from the restaurant business. I was very good at it, 10 years experience. They're like, you want to be a part of this? We like you around the office. We like your look. We like your attitude. Um, we're opening up a restaurant. Would you be interested in going into business with us? They're like, we want to make you the head waiter. I'm like, I wrote on a piece of paper. I'd never wait tables again. But I will do is give me a chance to run the bar and be the bar manager. And they're like, well, you said you never bartended before, but once or twice I said, yeah, but I want the opportunity. I'm going to prove to you that I can run your bar and I want to be the leader and I'm going to teach myself how to bartend. So they gave me the opportunity and we opened up this restaurant together. I create the menu. I help them with the beer list, the wine list, all this. And it ends up being a huge hit out of the gate. They're still the most popular restaurant in town to this day. Very proud of it. Italian place. We got a pizza oven from Italy for $40,000. Wow. Cooked a pizza in three minutes. I made the most money I ever made in my life, but I still wasn't happy because I want more out of life than being behind a bar. Whatever you do in life, I don't judge you, man. You want to be a janitor? As long as you're happy and fulfilled, you fucking clean those floors like you're a rock star. I don't mm -hmm. care. But if you keep doing some shit and you're miserable, I'm going to have an issue if you're not finding ways to get out of there, right? Amen. I understand you just can't jump ship. But put yourself in a position to get out of there eventually, right? Slowly. Still got to handle your business, but you're not handling your business if you're destroying their mind and your heart, right? Oh, 100%. Real quick, exactly. I, sure. I, this, this hits me so well. Again, you said it's so funny how you literally said janitor, too. I will never forget I had the most humbling experience um, I've ever had in the communication of like someone's life, where this was about five, six years ago. Um, my dad being a heart doctor, I was in the hospital at the time. Um, I was job shadowing. Um, I had my EMT license. I was pre-med and all this kind of stuff. So I was in that realm and I'm at spectrum health, the hospital, and I see this janitor just cleaning and you could feel his just euphoric glow of like energy of happiness. And you're just like, when you look at the perception of, of people and, and like of society of America tells you, if you're a janitor, you're supposed to hate your life. You're supposed to hate what you do. And like, you're, you're basically a scum. It's like, okay, come on. Right. The biggest driving force is you have to love what you do and truly euphorically be in a position of just like, you're, you're at peace of not following money, but following passion. And I go up to this guy and I'm like, all right, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but you are obnoxiously happy and not try to, but you're a janitor. Why are you so happy? And he, he laughed at me and he goes, he goes, I respect the authenticity. And he goes, honestly, man, ever since I was like six years old, all I ever wanted to do is clean. I love it. I love cleaning. And he goes, when I got this job at the hospital, I friggin' love it. He's like, being able to clean a room is the cool, I, knowing that it's clean and it's sanitary because I'm in there is Every day I wake up so excited to go clean. And I'm like, that just proves to me 
the idea that you have to big be big boy make a bunch of money to be happy is just bs and uh it was just a fat it was one of those humbling experiences of a conversation i've ever had yeah 100 percent. it's all perspective man and, and whatever you do in life or whoever you are sadly some somebody's still going to have something to say mm-hmm. you know doesn't matter what you do they're going to find something if it's just like ah he's got a perfect record i just don't like the way his left eye looks yeah. you know just people are like that man but are you going to yep. sit around and fucking worry about that stuff you're going to keep moving forward so um where was that guy last um sisters living with me um so i got this funeral to pay for right um fifteen thousand dollars i'm in oh so i'm excuse me yeah you're, at the, you're running the bar yeah, you're running the bar yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but I'm still like, man, I just want more out of life. You know, I've made all this money. Um, well-respected around town. Um, you know, I'm the rock star there. And where and was this bar to, at? Or where was this uh, restaurant Beach, at? Myrtle it was, Beach, in, it was in Myrtle Beach. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's still, I'm still home in Myrtle Beach. Um, and it was a cool opportunity for me. It was cool to be a part of the creative process and be a big part of the, the success. And, uh, and I be, ended up meeting the younger, better version of me, my buddy, my buddy Louie from New York. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, we make this great connection and we always talk about, Hey, what are we going to do next? We got to get out of this restaurant and keep pursuing life. So I get, he's like, Hey man, my dad was, uh, owned a, a deli in New York and that's where he made his first million dollars before he got in medical business. He's looking to get back to his roots and open up a restaurant. Dude, we want you to be a part of it in Florida and Boca Raton. Cause he's like, there's a bunch of Jewish people. Yep. <laughs> Northerners, they got no, they don't have fresh mozzarella. They don't have prosciutto de Parma. They're not importing (laughs) bread from uh, New York. So I was at a point to where I was, this is where I messed up, but I don't regret the mistake. I didn't ask any questions. I didn't ask to see a business plan. I simply trusted my friend and his dad. And I didn't never met their cousin before, but I was going into business with their cousin. But I knew I'd love my best friend. I loved his dad. And I just took a chance. Right. And I just gave up on this money-making machine at where I lived. I gave up my awesome uh, apartment. I paid $750 a month for a two-bed, two-bath, five minutes from the beach. Wow. Now I pay quadruple that in LA, right? Oh, yeah. So in Myrtle Beach, you can make like 50, 60 a year as a single guy and live a great life, you know, because sure. cost of living is so cheap. So, uh, but I, I, I sold everything, man. And I moved down there on a dream and a trust of a best friend and the opportunity to, you know, keep moving up in life. So... I moved to Florida. It turns out to be a complete disaster. Their cousin's not who he thought he was. Um, he didn't bring in the money he was supposed to. And we just couldn't come together as a team. It right. wasn't the food. It wasn't the service. Uh, it wasn't the cleanliness of the place or the location. We just could not come eye to eye on that kind of stuff. You know, it was just kind of a bull in a china shop. But we worked our first five months. We worked seven days a week, over 80 hours a week for five months. I didn't take wow. a day off. Because that's what it takes to be successful. I don't mind working. I just wanted to pay off and I want to feel fulfilled. And we were successful. We were making a little bit of money, guys. Again, we were falling apart in our relationships as a team. It wasn't about like we weren't making money to be able to keep sustaining ourselves. But like I put my ego aside. I cleaned the toilets. I washed the dishes like we all did. I I came from the rock star of the restaurant to put my ego aside. And I was in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I wasn't part of the family. I wasn't introduced as the son or the cousin. I was just like, Oh, here's our friend that went into business with us while I'm in the back wearing an apron. I'm not wearing nice clothes. And <laughs> I'm wearing a hat all the time. I'm not fixing my hair. It was just very different, but I was willing to give that up to chase success with my friend. But it got to a point to where it was so toxic. I couldn't chase it anymore, man. I was so miserable. I find out from my friend, best friend's dad that my friend's leaving. He can't take it anymore. So I find out from my best friend that he's going back to Myrtle Beach and I didn't hear it from my best friend. So wow. I'm getting very angry and very heartbroken. 
So my friend pulls me aside. He starts crying. He's like, dude, I got to tell you, I just can't do it anymore. And he's, he was crying because he felt like he let me down and he got me in the situation. You know, we ended up going broke together on accident. You know, he didn't want to screw me over and not make any money, but that's what happened, you know? So, uh, he ends up leaving and I stick around a little bit longer to try to help out his dad till I figure out what I'm going to do next. Cause I don't want to go back home for the right reasons. A lot of the wrong reasons. I was like, I've been gone for seven months. I got to go back home and tell everybody I know I didn't make it seven months in. I'm already a failure, but also I just knew it wasn't going to help me going back home. I had to keep pushing. I was on this journey to figure out me and pursue life. Right. So I ended up having an opportunity to move to New York. Because I'm like, I'm looking myself in the mirror, guys. Seven months in, I'm mentally broke. Mentally, financially, spiritually, physically. I'm yep. broken, man. I got nothing. So I look myself in the mirror and I'm like, what do you want? What are you going to do, man? I have a real honest conversation with myself, which we all need to do periodically in life. Yep. And I'm like, what do I care about? I'm like, I got to give this restaurant business a break. I need to do something that I can bet on myself. What can I do that I can go in all in on me? So whether I fail or succeed, it's on me. I can't blame the cousin. I can't blame my crazy, uh, my best friend's crazy dad. I can't blame my best friend. What do I like to do besides the restaurant business? It's fitness. It's helping people. So my best friend said, my brother in New York that you met is a personal trainer. His business is growing. See if you can live with him and learn from him. That's how you get better in life too, right? Learn from other people. So I wrote down a list of several goals. And one of those was going to New York and figuring it out. So I live with him in a story and New York is amazing. It was my first time in New York, never been there before. Talking about this, I'm well-traveled, but I never lived in a big city, right? right and it was right. my mom's favorite city. So something about that was calling me, it was pulling me like, find out why it's your mom's favorite city. And I didn't like being alone after my mom uh, passed away. I was very uncomfortable being alone. But in New York and not knowing anybody, besides Johnny I was going to live with, I chose to embrace it. I actually went on the train in rush hour just to see what it felt like. Just really to sorry to hear that. No, no, it was worth it though, man. Smells were fantastic. Yeah, like it, it, I knocked it off the list. I was right. like, I'm good. Fuck all these people being crammed in here. I'm good. I right. didn't get anything stolen. I'm confident. I'm good. You know, and I embraced this lone wolf mentality of walking out and hanging out alone, having dinner at a bar by yourself. But I always knew New York wasn't home just because I'm, I'm a beach guy and I don't do cold weather, man. I got no time to be cold. Yeah. Give me a nice pea jacket for the weekend or something, dude, or a winter coat. I'm good. But like for months on end, I got no time to live that. You don't want to come to Michigan, man? Come on. <laughs> I'll, I'll come visit, brother, but I'm not living there. <laughs> so, Sorry, I told him the same thing, London. It's cool. Yeah. So, um. I, uh, I learned the business from Johnny. I realized that it was an avenue that I wanted to pursue. And here's a cool way to uh, learn how to do things, guys, if you're not certified yet, for example. So how can you train people if you're not certified, right? You're not supposed to. You can actually do whatever the hell you want. You just got to be honest with people. So what we did was we said, hey, London's in the midst of getting his certification. He's been training for like 15 years. He knows everything I know. He's just not certified. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you the opportunity to train with London for a fraction of the cost. So instead of charging 150 an hour, we charge 50 an hour. We had them sign a waiver and they got the same damn thing that Johnny offered. I just didn't have the certification and I had a chance to learn how to consult, to learn how to do that warm up and discovery and see what's important to them and how you can help them to see if you're the right trainer. And then when you talk about money, that can be uncomfortable for people. A stranger, hey, what can you afford? Right. Uh, I can't afford it. Oh, how do you overact that, right? Now, this was at a gym that your friend owned? 
No, he was a personal trainer. He was a trainer on wheels. So okay. he, had little, he had a little uh, uh, gym in his place, but he right. also hopped in his car and took all of his equipment to train you in a park or wherever. So it was a badass business plan. That's cool. That's very and how cool. old are you at this time? I'm, uh, let's see, I'm about, uh, I'm 30 years old, guys. You're 30? Yep, I'm 30. Wait, you're 30 before. now or you're 30 then? I'm 33. So, okay. so it's like three, three years, years ago. ago. Okay, yep. cool. So, uh, uh, LA's always been on the radar for, I'm a big movie fan, you know, growing up in bodybuilding, Venice Beach, all that, the glitz and the glam. I love how progressive it is, the health movement. Everything's at your fingertips. You got the mountains here. You got Vegas here. You got the desert, the beach, mm -hmm. everything, man. Never you been the taxes too, which is, yeah. Fun. Hey, everything has its good and bad, right? It's all sure. about what you're willing to put up with. You know? 100%. And everybody's like, ah, it's expensive. The homeless problem, the traffic. I'm like, but that's you. Let me find out for myself, right? I've come this right. far and I conquered New York, dude. It was awesome. I got comfortable being alone. I made some money. I embraced the city, all that stuff. But I just wanted to keep pushing to see how far I could go to see if I could call um, LA home. I could always go back to New York, but let's see what the West Coast is about. Right. So um, I wrote down 10 goals and I was determined to accomplish those within a year. And I moved to LA, um, never been to the West Coast before, didn't know anybody, no job lined up. I had $8,000 in the bank and I was studying for my certification. So I didn't have a car because I sold my car when I moved to New York. And a couple people were like, hey, I don't think you can make it in LA without a car. And I was like, well, I don't want to buy a car and find out I don't need it. Let me see if I can make it with the Uber thing, right? So I moved to Koreatown for two months, not an area I want to live in. And I'm by myself. I'm just studying like I'm a, I'm a Zen master. Like I'm, I went to this Buddhist monastery. Mm -hmm. I'm not going out. I'm not going on Tinder, Bumble dates. I'm just focusing on me, studying, eating, and training, figuring out what I want to do next. But during this time, guys, I'm a little naive about my situation because I'm like, what can I do to uh, find work? So I'm like, let me get behind a bar. Two reasons, quick money, and I can market myself as a trainer while I'm making money as a bartender, right? At two birds with one stone. Love that. But the naiveness sets in of me being a South Carolina guy. Everybody looks good in LA. Everybody's got a good resume. You can't just walk in and get a job on the spot. So mm -hmm. it took me longer than I thought to get a job. So I'm running out of money, guys. I'm in LA. I'm, it was, you know, I'm not dumb. I'm not stupid. Just a little bit of being naive and not knowing what the hell I'm doing. A little bit of being scared, you know? So... You know, you're paying 2000 a month in rent on top of your bills, guys. Eight grand goes real quick. Yeah. So I'm running out of money. I end up moving to Venice Beach, which turned out to be a special place. I'm living with this guy, and I find uh, I'm running out of options. So I'm going on Craigslist, and I'm looking at all kinds of jobs. Ego gets put aside again. Thankfully, I have the ability to do that, or I wouldn't be here today. I find a job for moving furniture for $10 an hour. So I... I'm moving furniture for $10 an hour. Takes me fucking 10 hours to make $100. Getting treated like shit, getting looked at like I'm some loser because I'm moving this rich person's furniture in the hills. Right. But what I did do is I made a friendship with a cool guy that had his own business that moved furniture. I had cool conversations with a stranger and I got a free tour of LA. We went everywhere. I didn't have to pay for an Uber. I went to the hills. I went to Ojai. I saw Silver Lake for free. You know, so I, I changed my perspective. I turned it into a positive. And while looking through Craigslist, moving this furniture for $10 an hour, along with a couple friends loaning me some money, I found an ad for bartending at a golf tournament, Tiger Woods' tournament, the Genesis. And it was up in Pacific Palisades, 15 minutes before I lived. So I ended up going to apply for the job because I'm like, I can't give up. I can't get home. Just get, make some money, dude. You'll figure it out. You got to be here. You're supposed to be here. I just, I believed, guys. 
You got to fucking believe in yourself. Get everybody else. You got to own it, man. Make a commitment and honor that commitment. So I go um, apply for this job and he's like, I've got all the good bartending jobs are gone. You're new. But what you can do is I'll pay you a little more by the hour because you're not going to make as much in tips and you can relieve the bartenders for their 30 minute breaks. And I'm pissed. My ego's like, dude, I'm an awesome bartender. How are you going to give me this shitty job? I didn't say anything. I took the job. I'm like, screw it. See what happens. So I take this job, guys. This is what happens when you put your ego aside and you don't give up. I come dressed up. I got, I got a good attitude. I can tell I'm already going to set myself apart because they hire anybody. He gets paid to just put um, employees at the tournament. Right. They don't care if they're dressed properly. They don't know what the hell they're doing. So I end up uh, relieving this one person. And uh, this bartender's like, hey, or excuse me, a manager comes around. You look like you know what you're doing. I'm like, dude, I'm a rock star. I'd love the opportunity to be at a good busy bar. And he's like, um, I got somebody that's struggling. I might move you. I was like, please move me. I'm here to work, man. I want an opportunity. He's like, hey, I actually need you somewhere else. So he put me at a cash bar where this girl that's a rock star was getting her butt kicked and needed a break. She's in between three holes in a concession stand. It's insane. Pat, <laughs> Pat. So she teaches me how to use the iPad real quick. She takes a break, comes back, and I'm in the zone, guys. I'm working my magic. I'm just like, dude, I feel like um, uh, Tom Cruise in cocktail. I'm just kidding. <laughs> She ends up watching me over my shoulder and was like, dude, you're good. Do you want to work with me for the rest of the day? I ended up working with her for the rest of the day. She vouched for me for the big boss man. On my way out, he said, dude, she vouched for you. She's been working with traveling with me for five years because you can travel and do these tournaments for the PGA. He's like, change your shirt. You're wearing a Grey Goose uh, Nike polo and you're bartending with her for the rest of the weekend. I made like th I made three grand and stayed in LA. I was going to have to move ah. back. I was running out of money. But I didn't give up. I put my ego aside, and I fucking bartended my ass off. I ended up meeting Johnny Damon. I wow. met a couple of guys from ESPN. And I met a couple of eventual clients that turned in as in personal training clients. And that's where everything fell into place, guys. I was a few days from moving back home because I just ran out of money to where I worked this fucking tournament. And then I met the lady at the private gym, which was one of my goals to train out of a private gym because I'm not a corporate America guy. Shout out to the corporations out there. If you're doing good by people and doing right, cool. But you're not going to tell me what to do anymore. You're not going to tell me when to show up. You're not going to tell me I can only make $40 an hour. So now I make over $100 an hour in an hour. I used to take me 10 hours moving furniture. But that's what I had to do. I had to take these steps to get to where I wanted to be. And I was able to set my ego aside. That's fucking defiance. That's mm -hmm. literally the definition of fucking defiance. And that's, that's a huge reason why I wanted you on here today. Why? Because you're one of the most genuine people that I know. And I, I'm sorry to put a pause on your story for a second. You're one of the most go-getting motherfuckers that I know that will not let anything stand in their way of getting what they want. And that's why I feel like you and I click so well. And that's why I feel like you have a purpose in life to teach others to do the same thing. What have you mentioned so far? You've mentioned writing down your goals. I was about to say yeah. that. I yeah. was like, when we get to teaching points, <laughs> I'm like, I, every time he made a change, he goes, I made it, I made it intentional. I was like, let me write down my goals. What am I doing this for? I was like, yeah. ding. Yeah. <laughs> you, you wrote down your goals. You made them real. You told yourself what you needed to do. You didn't lie to yourself. You put all ego to the side because what is ego? Ego means absolutely nothing in the game of life. It is yep. fake. It is as fake as social media. So you literally sat yourself down and you said, London, this is where you want to be. This is how you're going to get there. And you listened. 
And that is why I love you, man, because you are the definition of defiance. So with that being said, please take me through the rest of your journey because I know it's just going to get better from here. Well, now this is probably your favorite part of the story is um, when I, uh, I mentioned the part of looking myself in the mirror after the failing restaurant in Florida, right? right? And one of my goals was I wrote down a five-year plan and one of the uh, goals in five years is I'm going to work with Steve Weatherford. It's my man. So I DM Steve Weatherford before I moved to New York and I heard something very special that I want everyone to listen very closely to because this is something that helped me. Lewis Howe says, I want you to find somebody that you admire the most. I want you to tell them you'll work for them for free. And then I want you to tell them you'll pay them. I bet they never heard that before. And I said the exact same thing to Steve Weatherford in his DM. But I also left it with, whatever happens, man, I still support you, dude, because there's a thousand people that deserve this opportunity, might deserve it more than me. And I'm not going to hold a grudge because I can't imagine how many people are trying to talk to you about good and bad. He DM'd me back that night and said, dude, that's the kind of attitude, that's the kind of people I'm looking for to be a part of my team, part of my life. He said, but right now, I don't have anything for you, and I would, excuse me, I would never take your money. So that's what kind of guy, I, and remember that, if a famous person that's successful wants to take your money for mentorship, say no. <laughs> you know, unless it's one of those big meetup things, and that's right. at your own discretion, but you're dropping a DM, and he's like, yeah, give me a grand, I'll teach you a couple things. No. Nah. Mm-hmm. But again, to be able to say something like that to somebody, not very many people have said, hey, I'll work for you for free and I'll pay you for your time and your knowledge. And this guy was kind enough to write me that night and say, hey, that's the attitude I'm looking for. I'll never take your money. And I'm actually putting an internship together and I'm looking for two guys. And one of them is going to be hired full time. So I kept in touch the whole time while I was in New York, dropping in the DM. I always reposted his stuff because I liked his stuff. I don't care if you're famous or not. You post some cool shit, it's getting reposted because I'm all about it. And I'm proud of people that are losing weight or put up a cool quote or put up something funny, man. I'm trying to spread that knowledge and I've got a different following than you do. So spread it, right? So I kept in touch the whole time. He was always really kind. And then we didn't talk to each other for a while while I was in LA, but I just kept in touch. I did this for two reasons, guys, because this is a formula that I'll get into later. I believed in his stuff. That's why I did it. Number two, I wanted to get his attention in the right way. I wanted to show massive support. And by doing that, I, he, I was noticed by, he's like, dude, who the fuck is this London guy? He's always reposting. He's always being cool. He said, Hey, in minute 23 of my podcast, he liked this one quote. He just posted a new picture and he put my quote as his caption. It wasn't like crazy fandom. I don't look at him like that, you know, and I would never treat somebody like that anyways. My number one person, if I could ever meet and hang out with is Will Smith. But Weatherford was a, he's up there for me too. Weatherford was a guy that was just like a, a guy that I admired through his honesty, his grit, the body that he built, his family man, right. the way he talked about his good and the way he talked about his bad. And his following wasn't as big. Right. I had a better chance to get his eye. So it was a win-win, right? So next thing I know, I'm like, Steve, I live in LA now. We got a better chance to connect. He's like, awesome. Cool, man. I'm in San Diego. I'm in LA. Okay. So we keep in touch and he's like, London. I'm finally putting a team together. Sorry it took so long. So this persistence, this willingness to show massive support daily gave me the chance to possibly meet one of my heroes, right? So he's like, send me a two-minute video of you saying why you should work for me. Because one of the reasons where I fuck up is I'm such a nice guy and I give everybody a chance. But just because you're a cool guy, London, doesn't mean you're going to help my business. Right. doesn't mean, you know, still got to make a profit, brother. I'm trying to do good, but got to pay the bills, right? Part of the process. Nothing wrong with that. Got to be successful. Got to 
got to maintain and then make more to give more, right? Amen. So I make this video, man. I put it all on the line. He said, hey, I want you to meet me in Anaheim for a workout. So money's tight. Uber rides expensive, but I'm like this opportunity in a lifetime to meet somebody that I truly admire and respect and maybe get a job. So it's four in the morning. Uber's more than I can afford, but I'm like, dude, this opportunity of a lifetime. So I go to Anaheim and he's leading a morning workout at one of those um, big talks where there's like thousands of people where they get all these successful people and tell you their tools and all that. So I go in there. I've never met Steve before. I Uber there. And I work out with these people for like 30 minutes and then he invites me to breakfast and he's larger than life guys. And he's cooler in person than he is, you know, on the gram. And we go to breakfast and it was very, what I noticed first is his circle around him were cool. They were kind. They were as cool as he, you know, towards me as he was, which is very important. And he was as kind as could be to the waitress. And when you treat the janitor like the CEO, that's when I knew you talk to talk and you walk the walk, man. And that's very important. Not that I only waited tables before, just how, how do you interact with people, man, when you have this opportunity to always touch people, you know? Especially behind closed doors. Exactly. You know, that's nobody's you around, no cameras. You know, we're not Snapchatting. We're not recording for the gram. So we end up just having a cool conversation. And, you know, his uh, camera guys like me. They're talking about my beard, so I'm very comfortable. They made it comfortable for me. It wasn't weird, you know. And he's like, just you, him, and his crew. That's it? Yep. And one other guy that got him connected with the talk that he was at, which gotcha. was a real cool guy. And uh, But it was mainly me and Steve talking. And uh, Steve's like, dude, I finally have a job for you besides letting you carry my gym bag and doing Snapchat for me, which I know you would do. But I respect you too much to let you do that and to pay you to do something that kind of ridiculous, even though I know you would, which I would have for a certain amount of time. He said, I'm putting together a private coaching team. So we're talking about a dude that I admire. A year ago, I'm broke. I almost moved back home three months ago. This cover of, you know, NFL's fittest man is asking me to be a coach on his team. You know, what a surreal moment, man. You know, and I was, I'm forever grateful. And he said, I'm putting together this coaching team. I want you to be a part of it. And I said, yeah, man. So I drove back home, dude. And, you know, I cried. Yeah, I'm like, fucking somebody believes in me, man. You don't need anybody to believe in you. But when somebody does, it's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, you got to believe in yourself. And then if you can get more people to help out, even better. So to have this guy vouch for me and say, I'm going to give you a chance. And it opened up so many doors. So the ball started rolling. I, uh, The kid boxer uh, that I started, you know, that I train now, the champion boxer, his dad found me on Instagram. Because my following was growing and I was putting out good content, even before the Steve Weatherford stuff. And his dad asked me, hey, do you work with kids? I'm like, dude, I work with anybody that wants to make a chain and wants to get better. You want your grandma to learn how to walk better? Send grandma over. I'm going to help her. You want your daughter to be a little more confident and get a little stronger? Bring her in, dude. Let's do it. So then the ball starts rolling. A beard company reaches out to me like, hey, we want to sponsor you. We want to do a video called The Man Behind the Beard. So they found me a trainer, a carpenter, and a tattoo artist. And they sent a videographer in and had us tell our stories. You know, what's the guy behind the beard all about? Are you just some dude that's in shape or you have more to you? So I end up forging this relationship with the camera guy. And he's like, dude, have you ever thought about telling your story, like putting it on camera? I'm like, dude, it's been on my heart since I lost my mom. And then he's like, you know, did you ever, you know, I know you want to go back and find your dad. Would you be willing to tell that story on film? I'm like, dude, I want to make a documentary. He's like, I just had a dream after we did our shoot for the beard thing in the gym with all your clients of you being back in Cyprus telling your story. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, dude, I want to go on this journey with you. So we started filming for the documentary. The ball starts rolling because I wrote this shit down. I didn't give up. I stayed persistent. I put good energy out there. 
I stayed committed to what I believed in. I started trying to run with people that were better than me. Steve Weatherford taught me things about online training. He had me write eBooks for him. Steve Weatherford paid me to do what he did. And then he told me, now you see how easy it is to make an eBook and make some money. But he didn't say it like it was easy as it was lazy. It was just like, you can put this together. You don't have to be rich or famous or be jacked. You know, you can be in shape and be you and make quality. So I made the most successful program he had in 2019, the Master Shredder. I wrote that, man. And he gave me credit for it. He didn't take credit for it. He's like, this is what London made, but he's on my team. Right. And to be able to set his ego aside and give me credit, which was really cool, you know, because he could have easily, and I didn't do it to get the credit. I just did it to make some money and prove to him I added some worth. So it was cool to be able to forge a friendship and learn from somebody that's doing better than you. And that's a big part of my success and one of my three keys of success, which I'll get into after the story. Um, so it was amazing to find out that this guy is really who I thought he was. But forget the work part, man, to be able to make a friend, to be able to talk to and have conversations with somebody that's successful about changing diapers or where we fucked up and where we succeeded, you know? I'm forever grateful for that. And I told him before we got started, which I'm very proud of, I said, I went Tom Brady on a man, I'd, like he was craft. I said, I'm, the best, I'm one of the best decisions your company's ever made. And after I did some stuff for him, he said, you're right. And he sent me the video of when Tom Brady said that, you know? And I'm really proud of that, man. Like to be able to say, to think about what I've been through to where I could have stopped or I could still be bartending to be able to make a successful program for this guy that's held pretty high in the fitness world, you know? Um, I did that, you know, and there's nothing special about me. There isn't. I just refused to lose and I got tired of losing and I don't have to lose. You don't have to become a loser. You don't have to stay a loser. But part of losing is a process and you only fail if you don't learn. And I'm fucking learning, dude. There's nothing crazy about that. It's simple. We just choose not so. to. So, ball starts rolling, man. I accomplished every one of my goals that I wrote down within a year. People moved to LA for 16 years and nothing happens. But a lot of hard work and a little bit of luck. I ended up living by the beach. I found a private gym. I worked with Steve Weatherford. I got sponsored by a beard company. I dated a gorgeous blonde that looked like Margot Robbie. You know, you know I, was, I ended up, I was feeling fulfilled. I was feeling joyful you know? And then I got a chance to tell my story on a podcast. And that's where it just, you know, the ball just kept rolling, you know? And the feedback that I got from that was just unbelievable. Franny Nicole, you know, thank you for forever grateful for her giving me my first opportunity to tell my story. And then by doing that, one of the things that I put in motion at the end of that podcast, I said, I want to be on Steve Weatherford's show. And I sent it to Steve. He listened to it. He's like, dude, you sound great. What a story. I didn't know. He didn't ask me to be on the show. Easily, I could have been offended, could have been a little angry. Why am I not good enough? Oh, I'm not famous enough, Steve. I'm not Lewis House. Can't have me on the show. I didn't look at it that way. I just said, it's another challenge, dude. I'm going to get on that fucking show, and I'm going to be on one of the best guests he's ever had. You know why? Because I just, I choose to believe that. And number two, nobody's me. And I have, you can relate to me guys more than you can, Will Smith. I'm still in the boat. I'm still fighting, man, you know? I don't, we're not, I'm not in that upper echelon class. I haven't made a million dollars. I haven't written a book yet. I haven't made a film. I haven't won an Oscar yet, you know? So it gives me an opportunity to relate to people and show them like, hey, he's just a, I don't want to say I'm regular, but at the same time, I'm regular, yep. you know? Mm -hmm. And he ended up coming to Venice just to ask me personally to be on a show. Wow. That's a You know, one. really cool, you know, that's what kind of guy he is, man. Yeah. Like Steve's a real deal, dude. 
I asked Steve to, I've never asked Steve to do anything for me. I've always asked him to do stuff for other people. And he's never, my sister was in the army. I said, she needs some encouragement. He said, boom, he, within seconds, I went to New York and I was like, dude, there's a guy named Jarp that loves the Giants. He loves you, dude. I might have a chance to work out with him. Would you just send him a video? Because that's a tool for me now is Steve Weatherford is a tool that I can use respectfully. I don't ask. I bet you if I asked him for 10 grand, he'd be like, where do you, Zell? He'd be like, Zell, <laughs> PayPal or Venmo. But I would never do that because I'm not that kind of person, but that's what kind of person he is. So he made a video for Jarp within two seconds, dude. That's what kind of guy he is, you know? He's my life. Yeah, I mean, so to be able to have someone like that in my corner to learn from and to have that friendship, I am forever grateful, all because I refuse to, I refuse to give up and I chose to support him. And now it's just a journey of ongoing and growing my brand, man, and trying to make this film. I want to make a documentary about my life and tell the story through film, to see my sister talk on camera, to tell her side of the story, and to tell my story, to show people I haven't given up and what you can achieve by not giving up. My dreams are coming true, man. I had a chance to talk in front of strangers. I'm doing podcasts. I'm sponsored by a beard company. I work with Steve Weatherford. I have a champion boxer that I'm training, and I'm just getting started. I'm just scratching the surface. I'm proud of what I've done, but it's not enough for the right reasons because I want to make a bigger impact. And part of this film that I'm trying to make is I want to go back and find my dad. I haven't talked to my dad in nine years. He called me when my mom passed away on Mother's Day and didn't have nice things to say about my mom. And even though he might have been right about some of those things, that's not what you need when your son's struggling and his mom dies. You don't even have to send money. Just say, hey, man, I love you and whatever you need, I'm here. And you can talk to me. How can I help? That's all I wanted. But all he had to do, but all he did was just talk shit. So I told him to go fuck himself. And I haven't talked to my dad in nine years. So part of me telling this story, this Rudy story, is going to film me finding my father. I've got a half brother and sister I've never met. He's remarried. And I haven't seen my dad in over 20 years. I look just like him. I walk just like him, man. I'm built like him. And I want to go let him know that I forgive him. I have in my heart, but I want to look at a man to man and I want to see his side of the story. I want to know his perspective. And by sharing that and by showing how powerful forgiveness is, it can help the world, man, because so many of us are still mad at our ex or our dad or that person that let us down. And for many of you, you have every fucking reason to feel that way, but it's only holding you back. They've moved on with their lives. They're, they're with another person. They're in another career. Whatever it is that you're angry about or they have their new family, they're still living and you're still paralyzed enslaving yourself in this prison of pain because you can't forgive. Forgiveness isn't about them. It's for you to heal. Mm-hmm. And it's a process. You don't hit the button and forgive automatically, but you can start the process. You can hit 1%, then you can that. hit 5%, then you can move on with your life and be able to share that with the world. A guy that's in shape, a guy that's confident that has this look to fucking tell the story of his mom dying of how he doesn't feel good enough still to this day. Cause his dad doesn't talk to him, you know, and to put that on film there, it doesn't matter where you're from, what color your skin is, what sex you identify is, what your religion is, you know, pain and you need to learn about forgiveness, forgiveness if you don't know about it. So that's my heart's mission right now. That's my passion. Whether I make it tomorrow or I make this film when I'm 102 years old, mm-hmm. it will be made for me to heal and to help the world heal because I know everyone can relate to it, man. And I'm just grateful that I've come across some good people, man, and to be able to have this opportunity, this platform to be able to share it with people, man. 
I had a chance to speak for the first time in front of 50 strangers. And they asked Steve Weatherford to do it. And Steve thought it was a prank. He's like, is this, he's like, I heard you're doing a talk. He's like, I'm getting emails from this Nikki girl. Who is she? Like, are you doing a talk? Or is this some like fake junk mail? I'm like, no, I'm doing a talk. He's like, oh, why do you need to tell me? I'm like, that's oh, kind of personal. I like, not that I don't want you to be there. I don't want to always feel like I have to ask you to do something or, you know, be a part of it. You know, it's her job. She's looking for talkers. You know, I don't want to be the middleman here. So he's like, dude, if you're speaking, I'm speaking for two reasons, because I love you. And number two, he's like, there's going to be more pressure on you. There's going to be more people in the seats because I'm there. No offense, but I want a Super Bowl. You're still up and coming. So, but I love that dude. Like that's what kind of guy he is. So we ended up doing this talk guys. I stuttered. I was nervous. I told parts of my story that don't really, aren't really that valuable, you know, but I did it, man. And I was raw and I was vulnerable and everybody came up to me and shook my head and said, thank me. And I healed by telling my story. You know, it's a way for me. It might not be our fault what has happened to us, but it's a damn sure our responsibility to do something about it. You got every reason to stick a needle in your arm, to be a loser, to give up, to be homeless, to hate everybody, to hate yourself. But you've got every reason to find out what the other side is. You owe it to yourself and you'd be amazed at what you find. You can find it. You owe it to, you're already at rock bottom. See what you can become. See where you can go. Maybe you can find the light, you know? Yep. Do something about it. I'm telling you, it's worth it. Bro. Beautiful, man. London, just an incredible journey front to back. I mean, uh, it leaves me speechless when I hear it. So thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, honestly, you spoke about so many tools throughout your journey, but if you could give us the three most important tools that you could share with the people listening, what would they be? Of course, I actually, uh, well, this is something that I'm really proud of. I wrote an article with an amazing writer, Brittany Cotton, um, about it, it first started with how to work with your idol, which I don't like the word idol, but I was like, how can I formulate my formula to people and show them how I work with Steve Weatherford to right. drop in the DM and use that quote to show massive support without being a weirdo or disrespectful, right? Mm -hmm. But it turned into kind of what are my three tools for success? And those are intention, mm -hmm. action, and support. With intention, it's a clear goal. It's the first step in reaching it. By writing it down exactly what you want and making that declaration your word of honor, you know, make that commitment and honor it every fucking day. Forget your feelings. Just do it. Right. Just do it. And every time you do something that's good for you, even though you don't want to, every time you do it, you feel better after. I hate running. I hate it. I've been doing it every day now and I'm feeling good. I'm looking better. And every time I run, I chip away at the little voice that tries to hold me back. Amen. You know, so again, I didn't really have a plan when I moved to LA, but I wrote it down. I wrote down part of it. I wrote down what I wanted to do. And then I figured it out along the way. So you're like, Hey, I want to be famous. Fair. Write it down and then break it down. How are you going to be famous? What are you going to do to be famous? Oh, what can I do? So let me get on every social media platform to get noticed. Who can I work with to maybe learn from, etc. You don't have to have it all figured out, but you got to start somewhere by having an intention and writing it down. Number two, action. And this is where most people spin their wheels. Even though it's not complicated, do anything to move your goal forward. So I had to fucking move furniture for $10 an hour, getting looked upon like I was a fucking piece of shit. I'll never get the way those people looked at me, but I did it anyways. I bartended again. I didn't want to at a golf tournament. I did it anyways. I fucking, I paid more money than for an apartment than I should, probably should have, but I wanted to live in Venice and I didn't want to give up and I wanted a lifestyle and I fucking did it action anything 
do anything to move your goal forward. Just a, one step is better than no steps at all. And if you're not going to move, at least stay there for a second. Don't go backwards. Mm -hmm. And in the end, where it's all about for me, support. If you commit yourself to raising others up, your own frequency will follow. You will inadvertently rise. We are willing to look outside of ourselves, open doors, doors open, and possibilities are endless. To be able to learn from somebody that's running faster than you. Dude, there's so many people out there that you can talk to, that you can learn from, whether it's a doctor or somebody that owns a business. You know, like I think the education system's broken, man. Go to school, learn some classes of what you want to do. You know, take some business class you want to own a business, but you don't need to take astronomy. You don't need to write a fucking 50-page paper in English because that's what the English major says you're supposed to do. What the fuck is that? Get out of here with that mess, man. And you're not in debt 80 grand for an education you can't use. And hey, there's some great parts about school, and if you can afford it, cool. But don't think you got to go to school to figure it out, man. Mm -hmm. Learn from somebody. Take the necessary tools if you got to pay for school and go to those classes and then use all the information that's online, man. They got people putting out master classes of how to do stuff for free or really cheap. You're telling me you can't figure out how to do something? Come on, man. Get YouTube out of here. baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the more I help people, the more it makes me feel good, man. Like I love connect. Jarp, whenever, and this isn't about, I'm not patting myself on the shoulder. It's, it's just I love it, man. Yeah. Dude, when I sent you that fucking video, dude, I know how it feels. Yeah. What I know how it feels to have that person do that for you, dude. Like, I love it. I, it feels good when you repost me, dude, and you're like, London's awesome. Let alone somebody that like like Steve Weatherford, it all, right. you know. So be able to have that opportunity, that power, to give that gift to you, man. It's it's what it's about. And, and you're right not here. living a life if you can't give it back to other people. And you don't have to go around saving the world but you can give it back by just being kind. Somebody says, have a good day. Thanks. You get in your Uber. They say, hello, how are you? Say, good. I'm good. You don't feel like talking? Be like, hey, driver, it's been a long day. I'm going to put my headphones in. I'm not trying to be rude. I just want to listen to my conference. I want to listen to my podcast. Cool. That's all you got to fucking do, man. Mm -hmm. It's easier. That's it, you know? Yep. Enough with the negativity. There's a not, enough bullshit going around, man. Give some love out there, man. Be kind. The world needs it. I love it. I, but restate intention, action, and support. I actually wrote an article about it with Brittany, and I'm trying to get it published. We sent it to Men's Health. Anybody out there, you know anything about getting an uh, article published? I'll send it to you. You can read it. And uh, I I'd actually have some connects there. Dude, I, uh, I, I'll, I'll send it to you just to let you read it. But I literally I'm trying actually to get met a guy at the, in Grand Rapids at the um, bookstore who – who writes for men's health. <laughs> yeah. So, and I actually have a fitness app under the playbook fitness and uh, they have connections with men's health. And I told them about, it, and they're like, yeah, we'll help you however we can. He ended up knowing a writer, a, a lady that wrote for shape magazine for like 10 years. And he had her proofreading. She's like, this is really good. Here's some bullet points. So we revised it to make the, uh, the three intentions really clear. And uh, she gave us an editor's uh, for men's health magazines email. Haven't heard back. It was right when the pandemic hit, but I'll take all the help I can get, man. Mm -hmm. But those are my three tools that it's not rocket science. I tell you what, on a pivot, just right off what you were saying there, like just the support one, it, it's crazy. The, the most drastic changes for my life have come from just paying it forward. Like, yeah. like for example, you, people have no idea. Like we all see ourselves as not that special. I mean, obviously we're special, but we're not like, it's, it's good to keep ourselves low egoed of like, 
and la- it was yesterday. Um, some kid threw a TikTok video, saw me, messaged me, DM me on Instagram, and he's like, "Hey, I I just need some event to, and I feel like you're a good source. I'm 19. I decided not to go to college. All my friends are there, and he just, he kind of gives me his life story of what's what's wrong." And I just, it was like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support this guy. So I sent him like five, mi- five single minute voice messages, kind of giving him my, my due diligence, giving him respect. Like, hey, no one has it together. Don't, don't act like everyone around you does. And kind of gave him some different things of books to read and, and aspirations to move towards. And like just a message afterwards of like, I didn't think you were even going to reply back. And like that feels better than anything I've personally done. Yes. Like that's where the support, I, I'm a huge proponent of that. 100%. And the more I speak, man, people are always dropping in my DM. Hey, man, I was, uh, you know, I was molested by my coach as a kid. And I was scared people were going to say I was gay. So I never told anybody. But now I want to talk to somebody. Hey, my husband beats me. But you know, like, I'm in an unhappy marriage. And like, I'm scared to get divorced. But now I don't want to give up. And I'm going to get some help. A good friend of mine is like, dude, I got some anger problems. I should probably talk to somebody. That's what it's about, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's a very big responsibility to try to take on somebody else's problems but I choose to take on that responsibility. I'm no expert. Don't have a certification on it, but I'll try to help. I'll listen, you know, and uh, it's so cool to be able to have an impact. And again, everybody out there, I'm not famous. I don't have a Ferrari. I don't live in a mansion. I don't have a private jet guys. I haven't written a book yet. I haven't made the film yet. I'm still making an impact still. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that might not be your life's journey, but make an impact in your own life. Love your own self. Impress yourself like you would impress somebody you saw that you want to impress. You want to impress some famous person because you always like their movies. You want to impress some gorgeous blonde. Do it to yourself. Be good to yourself. Love on yourself, man. Be the superhero in your own movie. Amen, dude. Amen. 100%. So, so London, the way that I usually like to uh, wrap these up is if you could go back and talk to yourself at 12 years old, and, you know, 12-year-old London knows absolutely nothing about what the hell he's going to run into. You know, what would you tell him? Great question. You know, I wish I had something like cool and witty to say, man, but I don't know if I'd change. The only thing I would change in my life is I could, I'd bring my mom back. The rest, like, I, I wouldn't want to give myself any advice because my story is my story, right? Right. Maybe if I give myself some advice, I wouldn't have met you, brother. Right. I wouldn't have met Steve Weatherford or ended up in Cali or had the fucking restaurant in Florida or whatnot, you know? I wouldn't say anything. I'd probably step back and say, hey, kid, you're on a fucking one hell of a journey, man. But it's going to be worth it, and you're going to come on the other side better, you know? And I just encourage everyone out there to, if you're struggling, reach out. That's why I love social media. I think there's more good in it than bad because random strangers are reaching out to me, and I'm making an impact. The same for you guys. I got people I don't even, I've never even met. I'm closer with you, Jarp, than some people I used to be friends with back home. And not, and don't be mad about losing the friendships or their life changes. Nothing lasts forever. Find the positive or you found some new friends and you got consistent support. And it's so cool to be able to talk to people, man. And from all walks of life of everywhere in the world, you know, to be able to connect and help each other, man. And even if you think somebody doesn't care you'd be surprised how much a stranger might care that's right that's right london i have to say answer shows you a man at peace i was about to say like like that that answer shows you just at peace with yourself i'm the same way it's like 
I don't know about John when it comes to his weight, but it's like people ask me the question of, um, do you regret being 400 plus pounds? No, no, not at all. Cause it gives, cause that story, that, that triumph now gives me a platform to help others. Yeah. And it's right. like, I don't regret it at all. No, nope. So every piece of my story, I would never go back in time and not change the fact that I was 500 pounds. As yeah. Weird as that sounds. Yeah. And I love that mindset, you know, and I, I hope people are really playing, paying close attention because there was a lot of gems dropped today, man. Oh, but, there was. There, you know, there was a beautiful podcast. Beautiful. I, uh, I truly, you know, I'm truly grateful, man. And, I, you know, I, it's just the beginning for us, all of yeah. us. It's just the beginning for everybody else out there, man. Today is a new day. If you're breathing, like fucking do something good for yourself. And if you don't know where to start at all, drop in the DM, baby. I'm here to help. Where, uh, where can we find you on social media? Um, so uh, Facebook, London Papa Michael. Um, I've got my website I'm working on dig- diligently, uh, bodybylondon.com. So stay tuned for that. Going to have T-shirts, going to provide a ton of value, all kinds of cool stuff. I've got my podcast, Flip the Lens. Me and two other hosts just having authentic conversations of all kinds of things to whether it's uh, on a Mother's Day, talking about mental health. We did a hot seat episode where we just grilled each other with questions we didn't know about. So I'm talking about shit I've never talked about before. Instagram is my favorite platform. It's London Bro. And then you can work out with me for $1 on my online platform of an app through your phone. I've got nutrition on there. I've got workouts for men and women, whether you have equipment, whether you don't. So you can try this whole app. I've got a plant-based nutrition guide. I've got, it's got an insight connection where it takes you to my YouTube motivational videos for only $1 for the whole month. It's incredible. Yeah, so I, you're talking, I make over $100 an hour personal training in person. You get all that good stuff through a phone for a dollar for the month. Just try it. Let me get your yeah. feedback. And it's called Playbook, and the link's in my bio on Instagram. I will tell everyone out there right now, if you do not follow London on social media, you're only hurting yourself because he truly is one of the most impactful people that I know. I admire him so much, and he will listen. No matter if you guys have talked for a second or for two hours, he will always listen to everything you have to say. So my brother... I thank you. I love you. Thank you for coming on here and blessing us today. Hey, uh, I love you, Jarp. And then a pleasure to meet you, brother. This is yeah, London. This is a pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity, guys. Um, I'm grateful, and uh, it's been fun, man. I I love it. Thank you very much. All right, fam. With that being said, guys, this is going to conclude this episode. I'm so excited for the future, and uh, you guys have a phenomenal day, and we'll talk soon.